it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Welcome to Guardians Weekly on the Cleveland Guardians Radio Network. Guardians Weekly is brought to you by Progressive, helping Guardians fans save hundreds on car insurance. Everyone, welcome to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse along with you from downtown Cleveland's Progressive Field. Hope you're having a great Thanksgiving weekend as we head into the holiday season in earnest. We'll give you some updates on Guardians Team Store hours so you can pick up some Guardians gear for the holiday season and also have much more coming up on our show, including a great conversation with Jeremy Fedor, the Guardians team historian, as uh, he will fill us in on the candidacy of Jack Graney, one of the first broadcasters that the Indians had as uh, back then when they were the Indians, their radio network. Uh, not a large radio network, but certainly intriguing in terms of the voices that they had, some of the great legendary voices in the game of baseball very early on, and Jack Graney was a groundbreaker of sorts, and we will certainly fill you in on that, and his candidacy for the Baseball Hall of Fame, which is up for discussion this year and will be determined soon, mid-December. Some of those announcements will be made, so we'll hear from Jeremy in just a little bit. And also, after our first break, we will take a look back at one of the fun games from the 2021 season as it's our Game of the Week segment coming your way shortly. But first, some news and notes from the week gone by. The Guardians made a series of moves. You may recall last week they had to make some additions to the 40-man roster and as a result take some players off of that roster and they were able to clean some things up this week in terms of where those players go. And three of the players were outrighted to AAA Columbus, outfielder Daniel Johnson, right-handed pitcher Justin Garza, and lefty Alex Young, all outrighted to the Clippers roster, so they remain in the organization. And certainly Johnson uh, has some skills and tools that are intriguing. They haven't shown yet at the major league level, but certainly they have at the minor league level. Garza showed a power arm last year working on his command as he battled through his first season in the major leagues. And Young, with a little more experience under his belt, he stays in the organization as well. The Guardians did lose two of the players that were taken off the roster. Left-hander Scott Moss, who spent most of 2021 on the injured list at the minor league level. He was claimed by the Phillies. And left-hander Kyle Nelson, uh, that relief pitcher who saw some time in the major leagues as well, a former college teammate of Shane Bieber at Cal Santa Barbara. He was claimed by the Diamondbacks, so he moves on as well. So that's an update on some roster moves. Uh, not a whole lot going on Thanksgiving week, but uh, the Guardians cleaning some things up 
on uh, the transaction front in the week gone by. Stay tuned. When we return on Guardians Weekly, it's our Game of the Week segment. We take a look back at one of the best from Aaron Savali and some home run hitting, too, from early in the 2021 season. That's next on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. The thing about the Home and Auto Bundle from Progressive is that by now you've heard a lot of ads about the Home and Auto Bundle from Progressive. We don't even need the words the Home and Auto Bundle anymore to tell you that you could save big with a ring-tailed lemur from Progressive or that every hot peach cobbler comes with round-the-clock service and protection. And that's the thing about the goat with magic powers. You've heard a lot of ads about the sushi in Vancouver. See how much you could save with the Home and Auto Bundle. <clears throat> with the Shaman in the Jungle from Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. Welcome back to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse along with you from downtown Cleveland and Progressive Field. Hope you're having a great Thanksgiving Day weekend and uh, enjoyed the football game earlier today, Ohio State and uh, Michigan in a renewal of that great rivalry. On to some baseball talk and throughout the offseason, as part of our offseason shows, we take a look back at some of the fun games from the 2021 season. And for just continuity purposes, uh, we will refer to them as the Indians, as they were throughout the season. And uh, the Tribe took on the Tigers early in the season, April 10th, first homestand for the Indians. The tribe came in with a record of 3-3, three and three, while the, the Tigers were trying to make some headway and, and show improvements in their rebuilding efforts. They came in with a record of 3-4 and four to a Saturday evening game. The pitchers, Aaron Savali for the Tribe. Tariq Skubal was going for the Tigers, and uh, the Indians... Well, they had Savali on the mound. That was a good thing. And they also had the bats working early. The Indians got the scoring started in the second inning with the long ball from Roberto Perez. Now the 1-1. Swung on, hammered high, deep to left center, way out of here. A towering blast into the bleachers in left center. And Perez has his second home run, and the Indians have a 2-0 lead. What a bomb by Roberto Perez. And the Indians used the long ball last night, two of them from Fran Mill Reyes to beat the Tigers, and Roberto Perez gets into the act here in inning number two. He has now doubled the number of home runs that he had a year ago for the Indians. They kept it going in the third. Again, the, the home run ball coming into play, this time from Cesar Hernandez. Scooble kicks and delivers, and the pitch swung in and ripped into deep left field. Gone! And the Indians have their second home run in as many innings. 
Cesar Hernandez busting out of the slump in a big way. A double to right center and a laser to left. His first home run and the Indians now lead it three to nothing. And this lineup takes on a whole different look once Cesar Hernandez starts to swing it the way he did a year ago. More of the same in the fourth inning, two men on for Jordan Luplo. Here's the pitch. He swings and drives it to dead center. It's hit well. Back on it, Reyes looking up. This ball, home run, Jordan Luplo. It's a three-run blast. And the Indians have doubled their lead. It's now 6-0 Tribe. And meanwhile, on the mound, Savali was rolling. It was his second outing of the season, and he was sharp. Here's the pitch to Candelario. He swings, lines it to first, caught by Chang. And Savali won't have a much more easy inning than the fourth as he sets him down in order. And after three and a half, it's still the Tribe three. And the Tigers nothing. Now the payoff. Swung on a weak chopper to third. Shoulder high hop handled. Ramirez throws out Cabrera. And 79 pitches is all it has taken Aaron Savali to get through seven. Eight to one. Indians in command. It's stretch time at the corner of Carnegie and Ontario. Bottom of the sixth. Tribe had runners at second and third. And Jordan Luplo's big night continued. Now the 2-2 from Garcia. Swung on, hit a ton, deep left field. This ball is off the top of the wall. In to score, Perez and Jimenez, and the Indians think it's a home run. They thought it hit above the wall and off the railing as Terry Francona is out of the third base dugout. Luplo teed off. He's got at least five RBIs tonight. And the Indians want this reviewed. The headsets are removed. And here's the call. And it is a double. And that's what it looked like on the replay. The Tigers finally got to Savali with a solo home run from Robbie Grossman in the seventh. That broke up the shutout bid. But in the bottom of the inning, Fran Mill Reyes answered with a bomb of his own. Alexander comes set, hands belt high. He delivers. Reyes drives one again, deep right field, gone! And Reyes hits the Indians' fourth home run tonight. And he's had three in two ball games against the Tigers this weekend. And a great sign there, seeing Fran Mill Reyes go oppo, a solo homer to right, his fourth home run overall. And the Indians playing home run derby at the expense of the Tiger pitching staff, and now lead it 9-1 to one here in the seventh. One more home run to cap off the day, and it came from the newcomer, Andres Jimenez. Shift to the right side. The 1-2. Swung on. This has hit a ton. Deep right center field. This is gone! Number five for the Indians. A two-run home run to right center for Andres Jimenez. His first home run and first RBIs as an Indian. It's 11-1 Cleveland. And that ball got some help from the winds gusting out. 
Savali was back out there in the eighth inning to finish up his appearance. Now the wind end pitch. Swung on a weak chopper on the right side. Second baseman Hernandez gobbles it up, throws out Goodrum, two down. Just not much hard contact. That's going to be it, though. Aaron Savali's night is going to come to an end as Terry Francona wants to make sure he gets Oliver Perez into this ballgame. It'll be his first appearance of the season. Another tremendous outing for Aaron Savali, who's going to be 5-0 lifetime against the Tigers and will have beaten the Tigers twice already. He tips his cap to the fans, heading to the third base dugout, and the Indians lead it 9-1 here in the eighth. 11-3 was the final score, and we were able to catch up with Aaron Savali later on in the week to talk about his strong start to the season and some of the things that went in to making sure that he was ready to go at the outset of 2021. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, coming into the year, obviously the goal is to pretend like last year isn't going to affect this year. So I think coming in and going uh, deep into games early is definitely a, a point of emphasis for the offseason work. And, I mean, you see that with all the starters right now. It's, uh, it's, I'm sure it's frustrating for some guys out in the bullpen, but a lot of them have had some time off, and it's because of the work that the starters put in in the offseason. And at the end of the day, it's, it's going to be – it's all going to even out, but I think uh, having having the confidence that we do as a staff, um, the bullpen knowing that we're going to give it our all, and then whenever whenever it's time for us to come out, they're going to go in there and, and do the same thing. So I think there's a lot of confidence flowing around the flowing around the staff right now. And you're able to to do this early in the season after making some what seemed to be significant adjustments during the off season, and at times during the spring. You didn't get the results, which I know spring training is not about that, but uh, was there any apprehension at various points in time as you started to put that into play that uh, maybe you'd gone too far or done some things that, that took away from what you normally do? No. Um, I think the reasons behind the changes were, were enough for me to be fully committed to it and trust that if there was some failure, I, I knew that I would be able to work through it. Um, obviously, it can be scary to to think about results and see uh, not immediate feedback, but at the end of the day, I knew the move is, moves uh, were, were for the right reason and went about it the right way and communicated with, with the staff here and throughout the whole off season. Um, Technology is awesome. We wouldn't have been able to really do that probably five, 10 years ago, but I think uh, just trusting the process and having confidence in why we made the move uh, allowed me to just feel comfortable going through daily work. So what's clicked in that, that you've noticed in these first two starts that may be directly related to, to some of the things that you did? Um, I mean, I, I think it comes down to just focus on each pitch. I'm not thinking about any physical changes anymore. Um, the, the time has been put in, and the comfortability is there. So at this point, it's just trusting the game plan, and whoever's back there, Babo or Hedgie, I've thrown to both of them so far, um, and we've been on the same page both times. So think it's it's nice to just go out there and not have to think about what the what the stuff is going to do that day um it's just which uh if one one pitch is better than the other or if i have them i mean that's the beauty of having six if if one is off then there's other options um but at, at the end of the day it's just going out there and competing when you look at saturday night's game uh the, the offense really clicked in five home runs 
you're you're locked in on your game. Are you able to enjoy that while that's going on? No doubt. Um, it's it's fun. I mean, when when I'm in between innings, obviously I'm coming back down from from the previous inning uh, of work, and I'm trying to get as much in between inning rest as I can. But when I'm in there, it's kind of just me being a fan. Um, I get to watch our guys do that, and it's super fun to be a part of, um, even when I'm pitching. So go down in between, do uh, a few things down below um, just to kind of reset and then head back up into the dugout, and it's it's fun to be part of a team that's that's playing the way we are. Um, like I said about the staff, confidence flowing, I see it with, with everyone right now, and it's fun to be a part of this. And I know you're supposed to stay in the moment, but but nights like Saturday night get get you thinking about what could happen here if if uh, that becomes a, a regular thing. No doubt. Um, I think it's baseball has always been it's always a contagious sport. So one guy does something, it's it usually rubs off. Um, I think that's how our staff has been for the past uh, however many years. But hitting's the same way. Um, just need those. We, we started out the season maybe on paper pretty slow, but there's been hard hit balls all year, and some of them are just finding the right areas right now. And I think I think we're moving in the right direction, and have been moving in the right direction for a while. Well, Aaron, nice going on on Saturday night, about as good as it gets, and uh, you're off to a nice start. Thank you for coming by. Thanks, appreciate it for having me. That was Aaron Savali after his second win and two starts, and Savali was one of the best pitchers in baseball for much of the first half of the season. In fact, he was the American League's first 10-game winner. And at the time of an injury, when he walked off the mound at Wrigley Field early on in a start against the Cubs in mid-June, his record was 10-2 with an ERA of 3.32, but he missed significant time. Ended up the season 12-5 with an ERA under 4, but uh, certainly appeared to be headed for much bigger things than that. But unfortunately, a finger injury sidelined him for most of the rest of the season. Very encouraging in that he was able to get back out there and make some starts at the end of the year and certainly appears ready to go for the 2022 campaign. Stay tuned. When we come back, we will hear from team historian Jeremy Fedor talk about the Hall of Fame candidacy of broadcaster Jack Graney. That's coming up on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. a long way to go. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.
Welcome back to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse along with you. Great to have you with us from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland. Well, coming up next month, the Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, New York, will announce yet another inductee into the broadcaster's wing, this time in the category of broadcast beginnings, one of the pioneers of broadcasting baseball. And uh, he was a former Cleveland Indians broadcaster back in the 1930s, 40s, and 50s. Jack Graney became legendary, not only for his work on the air, but really a trailblazer of sorts. You wouldn't think so now because it's so common to have a player finish his career and then head to the broadcast booth and have a lengthy career doing just that. In fact, we were fortunate to have Mike Hegan in that role for so many years. Jack Graney played 14 seasons in the major leagues before he began to broadcast games, and that was a big, big deal back in the early 1930s because no one had done that before. The, the thought of a player heading to the broadcast booth was, was just wrong on so many levels, not the least of which certainly uh, front office types, uh, they thought that that would be a conflict of interest. But Graney made it look easy and sound easy and became a very popular broadcaster for the Indians. Now, Guardians team historian, franchise team historian Jeremy Fedor has uh, done some research on the career of Jack Graney, and he feels he certainly would be the top candidate for uh, this year's broadcast beginnings category to be inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame. We'll see if that indeed happens, but uh, Jeremy talked about just how much of a trailblazer Graney was when he first began his broadcasting career. Right, and and I think it, it needs to be stated too that Graney is the first, you know, player to turn into a broadcaster and, and keep that going. You know, I think guys had kind of made special appearances on on broadcast, but Graney was, uh, you know, a guy that a had no background in broadcasting. So you know, there was a few stories of how he got started, but more or less, he kind of just came in cold with with no experience. So it'd be like you know, plopping maybe Cody Allen down tomorrow and saying, you know, hey, you're a recently retired player that's uh, on another adventure. want to give broadcasting a go in a in a, uh, a format that is, you know, new to baseball and new to, um, you know, everyone. I'm not sure how long radio been going on for. I'm not a radio historian, but, you know, it's pretty groundbreaking for Graney just to kind of get in there and the, the roles he kind of had to take on. It was a, a real trial by fire. Um, you know, insofar as like, um, you know, what, what are you going to bring to this? And with Graney, it was something that no one really had brought before in terms of he knew these ballparks. He had played in the ballparks. He knew players still. He knew managers. So you go through the newspapers and you read all these accounts of Graney and how he was kind of going with um, this role. And you know, I mentioned at League Park, he'd be down before the ball game started talking to players, talking to managers getting stories that much like you guys do today uh you know you report back hey i was talking to uh um shane beaver in the dugout and he was saying this about his last start you know that's what grainy was doing back in in the 30s and 40s and uh in, through the 50s and you know it's it's cool to see these parallels and again for a guy that had no background no experience in broadcasting to be able to have the you know wherewithal and the uh, ability to not be um you know, dejected or anything. He kind of knew that, you know, eyes were on him. He has mentioned that, you know, in a few stories. And uh, I think one time joked that you know, there was an error on the play, but also an error on Graney for you know saying something uh, that wasn't necessarily true. So that was one of the most enjoyable aspects, I think, of researching 
um, you know, his contributions, just all the things that, you know, I thought I knew and then finding things I, I didn't know. And, you know, it, it, to me, and again, it's my Cleveland bias showing it's, it, it, he, I think he is a slam. He should be a slam dunk for this award. Now it hasn't happened yet, but there's just so much to his story and what he was able to uh, accomplish that I, I think, um, you know, it's a compelling case. We're talking about Jack Graney up for a Ford Frick Award in the Broadcast Beginnings category. Jeremy Fedor, Indians historian, joining us. So the the broadcasting career, and you touched on it a little bit, went from 1932 through 1954. Playing career-wise, Jack Graney put together a 14-year playing career prior to hitting the broadcast booth. Uh, it just sounded, you know, looking at it on baseball reference, just a solid player for the, the Cleveland franchise for a while. Yeah, you know, he's one of those players. I mean, I guess maybe comparable uh, to Carlos Baerga or something where fans just love him, you know, from his playing days and, and after. And he, you know, he's not a baseball Hall of Famer, but he's a, was a, a solid player in the city. And Graney, they used to call him 3 2 Jack or 3 2 Graney or something like that because he had a great eye and would work counts full. And um, I, I believe one year he even actually tied speaker for most doubles in, the, in a, a season. So, you know, he had seasons where he was able to, to, play well and he actually came up as a pitcher and the story goes he hit nap lajway in the head during bp and had to be sent out west to you know figure some stuff out and came back as an outfielder was a member of that 1920 team that won a world series he was platooning in the outfield and was a great friend of ray chapman so you know that, that whole chapman situation really had a weight on him but you know he was able to help the team to the 20 world series so i think if you win a world series with a team you know you kind of cement your spot in the history and in the fans' hearts. And for, for Graney, he had that under his belt. So I think that helped out too going forward with his, you know, broadcasting later on as they remembered the uh, the good times with Jack. So the last year of his playing career was 1922. A 10-year gap goes by and, and the Indians call him and he has an opportunity to broadcast games. I thought it was interesting in some of your research reading through it, uh, there was some pushback from about as high a place as you can get in the game of baseball, the commissioner's office. And what were some of the concerns at that point in time about allowing an ex-player to broadcast baseball? Right. Uh, with Kennesaw Mountain Landis, who fans may remember, is the guy that came in to clean up baseball after the 1919 black stocking scandal. You know, he was kind of a, a stickler. He wasn't uh, you know, the most flexible person. So when the All-Star game was coming through, People wanted Graney to broadcast it, to be one of them on the broadcast team. And, you know, uh, Landis said, well, no, he was a former American League player. He won't show impartiality uh, to, you know, both leagues. So we're not going to have him do it. And there was backlash against that. And, you know, I think that's where Jack fits into that groundbreaking or or uh, whatnot um, aspect is that, you know, he demonstrated that, it, no, it, it was possible that he could be. Um, you know, not bias one way or another and just kind of tell the game as it is. And again, that, that set the tone later on. And, and eventually Landis relented and, and Graney was able to help out on, on World Series and, and other, um, you know, games going forward. So, I, I, you know, it's one of those um, situations that needed to be addressed when you start introducing play, former players into a, a broadcasting role. And, you know, Jack passed with, uh, with flying colors. And when you look at, at some of the things that, that he was a pioneer in, and obviously being a, an ex-player, joining the booth was, was huge. But 
one of the things he did was recreate games because at that point in time, uh, technology being what it was then, the thought of broadcasting games from faraway places was challenging and difficult. Uh, so he did them from home, and <laughs> it sounded like he did a great job for, for someone who, who maybe that wasn't his schooling, so to speak. But it sounded like everything went great in terms of recreating games from out-of-town games for the Indians. Right, and it was almost a like running gag with him or with fans and stuff too. Is that on these games they would broadcast? Uh, he would be whether it was in the you know building in the Terminal Tower or they'd actually did one at Cedar Point. Um, you know, Jack would say, "Oh, I see so and so warming up in the bullpen." Well, clearly he didn't see anyone warming up, but um, they would have this, the the Western Union uh, ticker tape or whatever coming through and would be a few seconds behind, but they would recreate sound effects and uh, you know the parallels between. Uh, between then and, and even 2020, when you guys were stuck here and, and TV were stuck here, you were calling games from TV, which was hard enough. So let alone, you know, when you're in a room just getting, you know, uh, telegrams or, or a ticker tape, I, I can't imagine how even more difficult that is to make it engaging and fun for fans. But he was able to do it. And uh, like you said, yeah, they weren't traveling just yet. And Jack was able, it was a big deal when he went, I think it was St. Louis for a game. And, you know, I found out, Later, too, that there, we used to play a bunch of uh, exhibition games in spring training with, with New York and the Dodgers. And we actually went to Cuba to play a, a three-game series with the Dodgers. And, and Jack tagged along with his partner and did a game in Cuba. So you have this Canadian former player doing a, a, you know American baseball game in, in Cuba. So you have all these different threads going through there. And I have to imagine that's probably one of the first times, if not the first time, that a former player, broadcaster, did uh, an international broadcast that was, you know, had to be a strong signal to get it back to Cleveland. So I imagine it was, you know, picked up uh, across the country. So, yeah, Jack um, just really, you know, endeared himself to Cleveland and fans from, you know, his ability to recreate games or to, um, to uh, you know, uh, even home games and get fans excited in an era where, you know, we weren't really sure what was going on. Is this radio going to stop people from coming to the ballpark? Is it going to engage people? And uh, one of the things, too, I mean, the man dealt with a tremendous amount of, of tragedy in his life. Uh, one Early on in his career, he was uh, in a, a car accident in 1933, I believe. And later on, he addressed it that he always would bring a, uh, a a pitcher of water with him, even on cold days. And you know, I think fans often wonder why he had that. Well, he couldn't feel like part of his face from this accident, and uh, he had to kind of lubricate his his lips. And I can't imagine how difficult that would be, you know, especially for a, a radio broadcaster where you have to be able to you know speak coherent, you know, coherently and and in a way that fans can and listen to. And then even during World War II, when he was broadcasting, he was actually on the air when his son. Uh, was in a uh, plane accident at Fort Bragg and ended up dying, and, and Jack had to, you know, leave from there. Um, so, like, you know, you have these. Not that those are are a reason to win an award, or not at least the the plane crash one, but you know, his ability to overcome these these obstacles and uh, uh, become this this broadcaster that that fans love. So, um, yeah, he's just a fascinating person from a player and a, a broadcaster uh, perspective. Indians team historian Jeremy Fedor joining us with some memories on Jack Graney, who is a nominee for the Ford Frick Award. That's the broadcaster's wing of the Baseball Hall of Fame over in Cooperstown. The broadcast beginnings category is up this season. And former Indians broadcaster from the 30s and 40s and on into the 50s, Jack Graney, is up for the award. And, and Jeremy, we were talking earlier 
the group of and and we should tell fans there's no place you can go to vote for this this is not we're not doing this so you can run out and 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 vote for this it's a very select committee that votes for this of both current and recently retired major league broadcasters all of whom are in the hall of fame right now uh and, and just run down a few of them i mean it's it's a who's who who will have a say in who who is nominated and then wins the award this year yeah, I mean, you know, you look at, at Bob Costas is on this committee and, and uh, you know, Hawk Harrelson and, and Tim McCarver and Al Michael. So, again, Bob Euchre's on there and, you know, Euchre is one, another one of those former players turned broadcasters. So, again, Jack really set this tone uh, and opened doors. And, again, you know, if Jack didn't do it, I'm sure someone else would have done it eventually, but Jack was able to, to do it. And, you know, so you see some people that benefited from what Jack did are around this committee and you know even in cleveland we've been fortunate to have wonderful former players uh turn broadcasters uh, with you know herbie and 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 hegan and uh, you know it's always exciting to have that and even you've done some broadcasts with like masterson and and johnny mack so you know not that they're full-time but it's always fun to get a, a former player's perspective and um uh you know jack really set the tone for that so it's uh it's Hopefully, again, something that everyone sees the the value and the worth in, in selecting uh, Jack. And my fingers are crossed that it's uh, it's going to come up in our favor. And is there some concern that this might be his last time as a nominee on the ballot? Yeah, there's always that concern, I, I think. Um, yeah, the Hall of Fame tends to change things up every once in a while. So, uh, again, I, I, I'd rather have it happen now than have to hold my breath for a couple more years and hope he's back on the ballot. Because again, you know, it, you look at uh, some of the praise he got, whether it was from Jimmy Dudley who won the award or, or uh, it was Joe Buck's dad that even said that Jack was, you know, one of the big reasons why he wanted to get into broadcasting, just an absolute uh, pleasure to listen to. So there's, you know, there's, there's just such enough, uh, you know, information. And the further and further we get away from it, again, there's there's fewer and fewer people that remember him. He's more and more in the distant past. So not to say that, you know, three years from now it's going to make a huge difference, but uh, you never know. And more names probably get added to the list. So you're competing with, with different people. And, again, he's up against, uh, you know, the candidates that easily, I'm sure, could get selected as well. But, again, my bias is for, uh, for Cleveland and, uh, and, and Jack. And I think, you know, he makes a, a compelling case. Well, hopefully this time around it works for him and he does become a baseball hall of famer in Cooperstown. And, uh, we should hear an announcement, uh, sometime during the winter meetings, which take place in early December. Jeremy Fedor, thanks so much for sharing, uh, some of the insights and, and memories of Jack Graney, one of the best behind the mic at a very early stage for the Cleveland Indians. Thanks for having me. That's Guardians team historian Jeremy Fedor talking about the candidacy for the Hall of Fame of former broadcaster Jack Graney, 1932 through the 1953 season, a broadcaster for the Indians after a 14-year Major League playing career. Stay tuned. We'll have some final thoughts after this timeout on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. With 24-7 customer service and guaranteed repairs, your progressive policy works the way it's supposed to. Unlike this stressful meditation guide. Take a deep breath. Focus on all the things you have to do. Did someone make the vet appointment yet? 
You don't know? That feels like something you should know. Switch to Progressive today. You are a mess. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Repairs through Progressive Network Shops guaranteed for as long as you own or lease your car. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Welcome back to Guardians Weekly. Jim Rosenhouse back with you from Progressive Field in downtown Cleveland, home of the Guardians Team Store, that great outlet to pick up all of the brand-new Guardians gear, and it is extending hours for the holiday season. In fact, if uh, you're still looking to do some shopping this weekend as part of uh, your Thanksgiving Day weekend activities, the Progressive Field Team Store open tomorrow from noon until 5, and then those regular hours during the week, 10 a.m. to 5 p.m., and they'll have hours on weekends through the holiday season as well. So make plans to head on downtown. Had a chance to do it last weekend. When you see the stuff with the logo on it, it's really sharp, and, and I think you'll enjoy it. So head on down, take a look at the brand-new Guardians gear at the Guardians team store at Progressive Field. A couple of different ways to hear our show each week. You know it, you can do it on the Cleveland Clinic Guardians Radio Network. Usually the show drops around 5 o'clock on Saturday afternoon, but check your uh, local Guardians Radio Network affiliate for uh, the time in your area. Also, go to cleeguardians.com, and uh, that's where you can uh, check out the new Guardians website, and uh, they'll have some the archived editions there as well, or wherever you download Download your favorite Guardians podcast. It'll be there, too. So a lot of different ways to hear our show each week. You hope you can do, uh, do so again next week when we join you once again over the weekend next weekend. Thanks, as always, to Brian Matze for helping to put together our show each week. I'm Jim Rosenhouse, thanking you for listening to and downloading Guardians Weekly on the Cleveland Guardians Radio Network. Guardians Weekly has been brought to you by Progressive, helping Guardians fans save hundreds on car insurance.